I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Wednesday, June 10, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? Well, there's actually a lot on the docket today. We had a Kabuki Theater Day. I forgot to make mention of it earlier, meaning yesterday or the day before. However, today was the culmination of a two-day Fed meeting. We like to call it Kabuki Theater. What happens at 2 p.m. on Wednesday afternoon on Kabuki Theater Day? The Fed comes out with their interest rate policy announcement. And then we have now a press conference by the Fed chair, Jerome Powell. The markets tend to whip around for a while. They pick a direction and go. That's the normal course of business. Of course, inside the numbers, members were in tune with this during the day. Putting Kabuki Theater aside for a moment, what else do we have on the board? What jumps off the page at me, at you, at us on the daily chart? Well, the first thing is, what the heck is that blue line running across the screen? It comes in at 321.86. What does it represent? We're going to get to that in a moment. Hold your horses. A refresher of the 324 and what that represents, it represents the front end, the lower end or the lower portion of a range where the market was really, at least from where I sit, going to get to 324 to 326. And if the market were to get there sooner than later, and this is coming from last week. So if the market were to get there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, meaning Monday, Tuesday or today of this week, then it would have been an interesting and appropriate short-selling opportunity. So they didn't get there. Maybe they just came up short. Maybe they're going to turn around and have a pretty big sell-off. That's certainly possible. I'm not there yet. Why am I not there yet? Well, for the main reason is what the market is doing in this upper range of where we are, what it's doing on the daily chart, all the things considered, we're going to go through them today. And what you do is you put them all on the table. And when you put them on the table, you have two things going on. You have a list of stuff on the bear side of the ledger. You have a list of stuff on the bull side of the ledger. Which side of the ledger has more stuff? That's item number one. You put all the puzzle pieces on the table. What the picture begins to look like is what's generally going to happen using the 80-20 rule the majority of the time. Right now, we don't really have a bear case. What we have is a pullback from the high from two days ago, and you know what's coming next. As long as we stay above Friday's low, last Friday's low, that represents the day of the phony jobs number. The market had a pretty big gap up, and you can see here's Friday on the 5th, and the low is 317.16. We're going to use 317 for rounding purposes. So here's where I'm coming from. The market has a move higher into Friday and into this week. Now, we made a high, doesn't have to be the final high, maybe it is the final high. We don't know yet. We will know rather soon. But right now, up until the point that the market breaks this pattern that's starting to develop, it's under construction. This is a bull flag pattern. The move higher from last Thursday into Friday created the flag pole. The sideways movement back and forth inside of Friday's low creates a flag waving in the wind. 
until they come back down below Friday's low, which doesn't necessarily mean the market is all-out bearish into a collapse. It just means the current pattern we're discussing is off the table. If that happens, it opens the door and we begin discussing filling the gap left open from Thursday's close. And by the way, what would that be doing as far as the market's concerned? They would be coming back to retest the most recent or former breakout area. Funny how that works. But right now, up until the point in which they close the day below 2 or 317, not 2, but 317, then this is just eating time off the clock, going back and forth, building energy until it's not. The energy would for a move higher out of this would-be under-construction bull flag pattern. Close the day below 317, all bets are off. We have to begin discussing the gap. The gap is around 310, 311. Doesn't matter really right now. Doesn't mean they're going all the way rapidly. It just means it opens the door to begin discussing the gap. There are supports in between. Inside the numbers members will certainly have a handle on what those are. Now, let's shift your attention over to the blue line. 321.86, and we're going to open up a different conversation. Here's an hourly chart, and you know if you're an Inside the Numbers member, and if you were here the last couple of days, that we've been focusing on 322. 322 has been an important resistance area as far as we're concerned. Other than a spike above here and there, the market really has been unable to sustain above 322. What's the importance of 322, or really getting more granular, 321.86? What does that represent? Well, here's a daily chart. There's a vertical trend line. What does the vertical line represent? December 31, 2019. What you'll see is the closing price on that day happens to be 321.86. There's your 322, 321.86, right in front of 324. And let me just scroll back the hourly chart so you can get a sense for what they both represent. So here, the 324, or a little above, represents that window. In order for the market to go fill the gap, they have to get through here, 324 and change first. This is why on the first run, If on a straight shot, that was a nice big fat shorting opportunity, even all the way up to 326, figuring they're not going to just blow through, run up and fill the gap without a fight. But we had to contend with 321.86 rounded to 322 first. How many people knew about the importance of 322, 321.86? Well, Technicians that have been around a while are aware of the previous year's close and other important numbers that represent stuff that the market likes to center around if in the neighborhood. But on average, the garden variety trader out there has no idea. It pays to know your numbers. What's another number that was important specifically today, but also yesterday? What's the number and what does it represent? How about 320.25? How about the fact that that is, that was, our pivot? We've been discussing that number. We discussed it all day today. Above was bullish, below was not. And on the hourly chart, you can't really get 
a quality sense for the importance of that number. So what are we going to do? We're going to drill down to a five-minute chart so that you can see what happens in and around 320.25. The market centers around that number. It tries to get above. It tries to get below. It keeps coming back to 320 and a quarter. Why is that number so important? And why is it the pivot? And how would you know about that number? Like I said, it pays to know your numbers. Let me explain. And by the way, before I do that, look what happens when the market, and this is post-Fed, right? The spike in the afternoon here on the right side is post-Fed. And by the way, if anybody has taken the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader, you'll recognize something the market was doing before the Fed, which was telling you that there was a high likelihood we would get a spike higher after the Fed. The problem is, you know after the Fed, you're going to get both directions happening. You just don't know which one first. But that information is taught in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader without a shadow of a doubt. Now, let's get back to 320.25. In order to get a full appreciation of that, the easiest way and the most efficient way is to do this, is to use it as a segue to inside the numbers And what I'm going to do is I'm going to force you to read the notes because I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's in the notes. If you want to find out what it is, you'll read the notes. If you don't care, you'll skip over everything. What I'm going to say, and I'm not going to read you the notes, I'm just going to scroll up and let you do it on your own for those that are interested. What you need to know is a couple of things. We were watching important numbers. So traders know if the market's below or above, those numbers are resistance or support And we know the next number in line, the one above, the one below. And you saw that evident with the 322, the 320 and a quarter. You see it day in, day out. If you know your numbers, you can make money intraday trading the range. What you'll also find is we were looking for support early on in the morning around yesterday's lows. That was logical, common sense, garden variety place to be. And then what did they do? They went back up to a would-be resistance area. And let me just start running up the notes and you can pause the video. You can restart it whenever you like. Read as much or as little of the notes as you want. We're going to get into stocks on the move, but right out of the gate, it was before 931. There goes LUV, which is Southwest Airlines. It was a good start to what turned out to be some tough sledding in some of the stocks. So we're going to go over stocks on the move. We look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's continue moving along. Check out the 955 post. Next up is yesterday's lows around 31.90. If they can't get there and find support in advance, and we're talking a couple of points here and there, they'll run right back up to ES3200 and try and stay above. So just for fun, let's check this one out. Here's a copy of the ES contract. It's a five-minute chart. The vertical line is, in fact, 9.55 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So here's what happened. The low in the next candle is 31.93 and a half. So they didn't get to 31.90. And if they came up short, what would they want to do? They would want to run right back up to try and get above 3,200. What happened? Here's the high in this candle, 3,203.50. Then they come back down and we know the rest. I'm not saying that that was a trade. I'm not saying traders should have caught that trade. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is 
They do the same thing over and over and over again. And when you've been watching the market for as long as I have, you get a feel for who's in charge. It's how you get to know thy numbers. And I guess the net net is I enjoy passing the information along intraday and watching traders make money using it. That's the point. Let's continue moving along so you can read as much or as little as the notes as you want. As we get closer to the afternoon session, the market should quiet down leading up into a Fed announcement day. Turned out to be somewhat of a rodeo most of the day, so we had numbers on the south side, we had numbers on the north side, we knew where they were finding stability, we knew if they closed above or below certain stuff, this was going to happen next. As long as you know that, you can make money in this market. There may not be a trade for a few hours in the morning. That frustrates traders. That's the problem. Traders have itchy trigger fingers. By the way, moving along. And when traders have itchy trigger fingers, they tend to create trades out of thin air. When you create trades out of thin air that aren't really there, it's a recipe to lose most of the time. It's a cause for frustration. After that, the revenge trade comes out of the woodwork. We start increasing our position size. We want to get it all back with the next trade. And we end up on our way to blowing up the account once again. If you paint by numbers, and what does that mean? It means if you play by the rules, if you take the trades that are laid out, if you take the trades at the numbers that are laid out before the opening bell, if you believe in the support and you believe in the resistance, it's not going to work 100% of the time. Every trade's not going to work. That's not the point. But if you take a systematic approach and only pick on the juicy stuff, you're going to make money in the market. If you're jumping in a trade because you're hoping to get something to run up right after you bought into it, you're in the wrong business. The worst thing that could happen to you, if that's you, is it could work. Because when it does work, you think it works. And you try it again and again and again. And you'll try it 10 times not really wanting to realize the nine times it didn't work. You remember the one time it did, and you keep trying. Do you know that guy? Do you know that gal? Moving along. Let me just run out the notes, and then we're going to go to stocks on the move, and then take a look at some of those charts. Remember, the good, the bad, and the ugly will get discussed each and every day. Check this out. It was airline day. Similar to yesterday. So there were eight opportunities on the board. And out of those eight opportunities, seven hit their targets. Does that happen every day? No, absolutely not. Most of the time, five, six, seven opportunities on the board. One, two, or three will hit their numbers. And that's perfectly fine. Sometimes I get an email from somebody that doesn't really understand what's going on here. And they say, hey, most of your stocks on the move never hit their numbers. Because they're looking at the opposite thing. They're looking at a list of seven on a day when two or three hit. And they're saying, hey, most didn't hit. I'm looking at it and saying, hey, I got two or three really high quality trades today. I had to sift through a whole long list to come up with seven potential opportunities. And out of those seven, three became real trades. That's a typical day. That's the way this business works. If you're thinking there should be seven, eight, nine trades a day, again, you're in the wrong business. That type of day is an anomaly. That's in the 20% camp of the 80-20 rule. 
So take stock of the list. We're going to run through the charts rather quickly because this video is getting long and I've got more stuff to do. The first one on the list was Boeing. We can run through this one rather quickly. Buzz cut at the open, two numbers on the board on a $200 stock, about five bucks apart is close enough to where you take half at number one, half at number two. You see the rest. It was a rather stress-free opportunity. Boeing didn't give us any trouble. It basically turned around, went back in the other direction, and had a nice grind higher the majority of the day. The high over here was over 212. If you paint by numbers, your average was in the 202s somewhere, so you were able to take whatever you wanted. Save. Not so easy. Let's go over this one. Now, the numbers were close together. There was another number. I just put the line up. It was 1927. And the stock spiked through pretty good. It got into the 17s. 1794 on low. The stop was 19. The stop is an hourly close below 19. So the stock obviously went lower than I anticipated it would go. All the airlines were getting killed. The market was down. The transports were getting killed as a group. So it was one of those days where they threw them a little bit farther out with the bathwater than anticipated before the opening bell. So that's on me. But let's have a takeaway. Let's learn something from this because I know a lot of traders, A, that have taken the course and that have been around a while, saw this developing, had an understanding, and did not stop out of the trade. Let me explain. The stop is an hourly close. Here's the 10.30 close. The close was 18.87. Remember, the stop was 19, an hourly close below 19. 18.87 is close by. My stops are there for a reason. They're not arbitrary. I say that all the time. So you can see how the stock was fighting to get back above 19 before the hourly close. It just ran out of time, but you can see what was going on. So that being said, let me drill down to a different chart. Now here's a five-minute chart, and the vertical line represents 10.30 a.m., which is the first hourly close. You can see what was going on. Let's get this off so you can see. The stock was on the rise. So are traders really going to hurry up at 10.30 and one second to punch out of this when it's on the rise after it just made a low when you were out of the money by a lot? If you paint by the numbers and follow the rules, you're waiting for the hourly close. If you're watching price at 10.30, you're watching it run up. This is part of the whole reading the tape thing. You have to be able to read the tape enough to say, hey, wait a minute, let me give it a couple of minutes. And from what I heard from the traders that sent me emails about this trade, that's precisely what they did. Kudos to them. And then the rest, you can see the importance of the numbers and all of a sudden the stock starts to rise and they did the deal. They just spiked down early in the morning a little bit lower than we would have liked. They don't give us what we want. They give us what they want. Similar but different situation once again with Hawaiian Airlines. Now we took another trade in this. We had one yesterday. Again, close together. Number one, number two, split the difference. The hourly close on this stock was $16.88. What happened at 10.30? Here's 10.30. What was the close? 17.23. Was this a stop out? No, it wasn't. Did it give you the deal? Yes, it did. Can you see the importance of the first number after it finally bounced back? Yes, you can. See how it fought? It became support once again. Resistance, support, the numbers are important. 
you're going to see the same chart in JetBlue. All the airlines look the same because they all trade together. It's all the same market. They were all getting killed. They all got bounces together. That's the way it works. Here's the same story with the hourly close. So this one, JetBlue, the uh, hourly close was $12.34. The hour closed at $12.28, just pennies below. It was trying to run back above the number. If you're in tune with the market, able to read the tape, able to see that at 10.30, if you wait a couple of minutes, they're going to be back above the number, and that should be a bullish sign rather than a bearish sign which existed just minutes earlier. And then this chart looks the same as all the rest. And you can even see here, here's a running of a test at 1245 down to a low of 1249 against the secondary number of what? 1252. Do we think that number's important? Yeah, that number was important. This was the one that did not close the hour close enough to the number. This one closed poorly. Traders may have stopped out of this position. Again, here's a lesson you can take away. Don't expect you to have known this today, but when you're in a sector and you're in one of the stocks in a sector where they're all starting to rally together, they're all starting to bounce together, they're all going to follow suit. If one is lagging behind, it's likely to catch up as you saw with Delta. Didn't expect you to know that today. This one, you can see the hourly close was in fact 3023 the hourly close listed on the board was 30.77. So this one, you have to really, or I should say, I have to really take the bullet. Now, is this classified in an ugly camp? Absolutely not. It's classified in the camp of, we're going to lose some trades. Now, there may have been traders that won some of these trades and traders that lost some of these trades. And if you think back to some of the things we just discussed, we always have to keep this in mind. It's an awareness. They never make this easy on a consistent basis. Day here, a day there. But in large part, you have to work to make money at this business. How about Red Robin? You can see here the importance of these numbers. This one came up one penny short. I think the low here was 14.98. No, it was right on the money. The first candle was 15.02. That was the low. I didn't take this trade. I was preoccupied with the airlines. But either way, you can see these numbers work. Look what happened at the end of the day. Stock collapses. What's the low? 1451. Against what was the second number? 1450. Sometimes I even scratch my head. Love was the one you saw on the board at 931. Same deal. Two numbers close together. Didn't stop out. Wasn't below at the hourly close. And here you got a rocket ride. So you actually got two rocket rides in love. Here's the first one right at the opening bell. Then it came in along with all the other airlines to fully run an appropriate test of all the numbers and then finally turned around and went back in the other direction. What's going on over in Camp IWM? They're coming to fill the gap. Remember yesterday where we discussed the IWM and the transports were ahead of the SPY. They were leading in terms of the chart. They were leading in terms of how much they were down, and this is why the IWM is my A number one favorite market leading indicator, and the transports are my second favorite market leading indicator, but first favorite canary in the coal mine. So the IWM is coming to fill a gap. It'll be showtime for the IWM. Do they collapse further all the way down to the 
20 period moving average or is the gap it and then they go back up and we have another leg higher remember and we could have had and should have had this discussion with the SPY we had a bull flag discussion with the SPY but we can also have this we had an up move a pullback an up move a pullback we've done this many times with the SPY every pullback has been met with buyers and every pullback has went higher after the fact so this one is it going to stop here is it going to come down here is it going to go higher after the fact the jury's still out but there's nothing that says it won't just yet you have to be the umpire calling balls and strikes you have to look at the tape and say until this happens this is the thing that's happening right now the market's in an uptrend from the bottom that hasn't been broken just because we closed below the 200 period moving average today doesn't mean the uptrend is broken the umpire thing the other side of the awareness thing is when you look at the weekly chart and you say hey we came into the 100 period moving average last week tried to get through it again this week we're pulling back now we're below all the moving averages except the 20 period moving average isn't this bearish in the making isn't this a market that found resistance is going to go back down for at least a garden variety retracement what's a garden variety retracement it's found in the course at lazy e-mini trader there's an entire segment on retracements we teach retracements how to use them how to use them for support how to use them for resistance how to use them for entries how to use them for exits what about our friends down at the transportation department same routine same conversation they filled the gap canary in the coal mine they're ahead of the power curve they're ahead of all the major indices what was a divergence and a canary all of a sudden becomes important information we're on this stuff early and then there's the nasdaq the Qs, the folks out in silicon valley they just continue to defy gravity new high little bit of a tail candle i guess you can make a case not really much of one but they were up three bucks today over one percent the nasdaq composite continues to power forward is this a big rope-a-dope about amazon here's a tail candle today up at 2700 on higher over that number and then as a tail candle a nice doji slash pseudo doji candle on amazon what's that telling us what about apple anything wrong with apple it's too far from home base what's home base the 20 period moving average you know that but just because it's too far doesn't mean it can't go farther but is there anything bearish on this chart no microsoft anything bearish on this chart no is it extended is it too far from home base is it blowing off some kind of a top anything is possible but it's not bearish today at present why am i showing you all this because it's the nasdaq why aren't we seeing institutional distribution if the market is at a high wouldn't they be distributing some of the widest held stocks like amazon apple microsoft google these are all continuing uptrends it's an awareness we need to know this stuff we've been looking at the vix the last few days i think we said the next area of overhead resistance was about 28 and a quarter maybe i said something slightly different but that should have been the number the high today was about 29 but they came back down below 28 and a quarter so in fact that proved to be correct just saying can't really get any information with this chart right now 
It's in between the 20 and the 200 period moving average, and that's it. We're just sandwiched in there. The financials filled the gap, and you know the routine. The financials were down pretty good today. Without the financials, the rest of the market is unlikely to be going anywhere. So if the financials are going down, the market is unlikely to be going up, meaning the S&P. If the financials are going up, it's unlikely the market's collapsing. Well, today, the market went down, the financials were down. That makes total sense. What doesn't make sense is the NASDAQ against the S&P. How about Smash Mouth? And here we go again. Now, here's the semiconductor sector. Now, it's a proxy or a good leading indicator for the tech sector as a whole. But if the market was going to collapse, wouldn't the SMH be having trouble right now? Wouldn't there be institutional distribution across the SMH? I think so. A couple of things. We got to tidy up a couple of odds and ends that I wanted to discuss. So question number one that will come in. Is 324.56 still a short if by magic they were up there tomorrow? And the answer is no, it's not. Remember, it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You start stretching it to Thursday after a little bit of a pullback and you start saying, well, do I really want to step in front of this? Or did they have a pullback, recock the gun, and they're going to go higher? So with that being on the table, the short is off the table. That's just from where I sit, treating it as a business. Could be a short for a different reason, at a different number, at a different time. But based on that scenario, that scenario's over. The other thing I wanted to discuss... An interesting question came in this afternoon, and we've discussed this before, and I think it's worth discussing again, because I know there are a lot of traders in here that use very short-term charts. We have one-minute charts, we have three-minute charts, we have five-minute charts, we got twos, we got tick charts, we got whatever you want. What's a tick chart? It's less than a minute long. I don't know why anybody would want to use that. Let me explain where I'm coming from. If... You're a trader who makes plenty of money using short-term charts, then keep doing what you're doing. But based on what I teach, the strategies that I use, that I teach to my students, we do something different. It works for us, so I want to explain the difference. Today's a tough example because the market got a little whippy around the Fed announcement, but let's use this area before the Fed announcement as a case in point. So we'll say from the low down here up to the high up here. Now... What a trader a lot of time, most of the time, is looking at is just this chart. If a trader uses a three-minute chart, he or she is looking at a three-minute chart. They may be looking at a couple of other charts, but for the most part, most of them are looking at the short-term charts. So they don't necessarily get a full understanding, a full appreciation or sense for what the market is actually doing. Once you play small ball, and we're calling this small ball because of the time frame. It's a three-minute chart. It's a small time frame. I'm calling it small ball. It looks whippy. There's not a lot of data in all of these candles. Each of these candles only has three minutes of trading activity inside of it. So do you see any very well-defined patterns where you can identify an area where you're wrong, an area where the market should trade to using all the things that we teach in the course? market symmetry, break up and break down candles, how long a market would trend in a specific area for, all that stuff. It looks different on the short-term charts. Also, price movement is very, very fast in comparison to the longer time frames. So if you're looking at a 15-minute chart, for example, you see price going up and down. It doesn't look that whippy. It doesn't look that dramatic. 
But if you went right over to a three-minute chart at the same time, it would look like prices all over the place. What does that do? I'll tell you what that does. It gives you the human, you, me, anybody else. It's human nature to be looking at something. We're visual people. So our eyes see something and our mind reacts to what our eyes see. Our eyes see whippy behavior. Our mind thinks whippy behavior. We don't have a full and complete understanding. They're not really doing anything. We have an unfair viewpoint of the market on a short time frame playing small ball. We're going to end up, A, taking a smaller profit on a trade and getting whipped out of a trade a lot faster because of the magnitude of what it looks like the move is, not necessarily of what the magnitude of the move is. Let's do this exercise. In between the goalposts is the time frame leading up to the Fed announcement. Now, an experienced trader may have seen something developing there. An amateur trader, somebody who's rather new or newer or less experienced, may or may not have seen something developing. However, if I'm looking at a different chart, same goalpost, 15-minute chart, I see something entirely different, much more well-defined, I know exactly where this trade is wrong. And what does this trade represent? It represents being long the market. Forget the fact that the Fed was coming out with an announcement. I'm not saying you should have done that. I'm saying this is a pattern. A, it's taught in the course. And B, we see it all the time. And C, it works most of the time. And guess what? You know exactly where you're wrong and what has to happen to know that you're wrong on the trade and that you have to cut and run. You don't get all that from that three-minute chart. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you and that without you, these videos are not possible? That is true and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.